Welcome to this week's episode of the Compass Equip podcast. It's a different week, but the mission is still the same. Here at Compass Bible Church, we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ by reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ. And everything we do here at Compass, including this podcast that is designed to equip all the people at our church uh, to be prepared for their life groups, to be prepared and ready to apply uh, the sermons that we hear on Sunday to their daily life. And that is because we desire to fulfill the mission of reaching, teaching, and training. And this podcast does that exact thing, and that our desire that it accomplishes that work in your life as you're listening to it. We are in our fall series, The Sermon on the Mount, The Countercultural Kingdom. And in this week's sermon, we talked about storing up your treasure. And hopefully, prayerfully, we're storing our treasure in the right place. There is nothing more countercultural than storing up your treasure in heaven. The world wants us to store our treasure here. Advertisements all over the TV are trying to get us to want what they have and spend our money on the things that they offer because they want us to build our kingdom here. And we recognize that all of our possessions, all of our mammon, which is that Greek word for money in verse 24, is all uh, a stewardship to us to utilize to make sure that we have what we need to focus on the kingdom and that we utilize all the rest of that to actually invest that into uh, kingdom, uh, kingdom-minded ministries and kingdom-minded uh, 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 focuses in our community, in our families, in our world, all for the glory of God. And with that, I'd love to read Matthew six nineteen through twenty four as we prepare to talk about it a little bit in this podcast. Verse nineteen in chapter six of Matthew uh, starts this way: Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor, moth nor rust destroys, or where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. The sermon focus uh, for this text was this, that even as Christians, we must regularly examine what we, we pursue with our time, money, and thoughts to determine our spiritual well-being. And so with that, we had three points that go along uh, with this sermon that I believe if you ask these questions, even through the illustration that I shared in the sermon about taking this uh, sermon and uh, looking at it through the lens of a spiritual wellness check. If we're going to the doctor, he's going to ask us some questions, and it's good for us to ask ourselves questions to determine our own spiritual well-being. And I think some of the questions uh, we can ask are in these three points, right? You need to ask yourselves, hey, am I doing spiritually well? Well, ask myself, am I investing, point number one, substantially in our eternity? Am I as a spiritually healthy person, I ought to be investing substantively in my eternity. That means there's some realities of the physical things that I have, that I am using them not for things of this world, things that are transient and passing away, but I'm utilizing it for uh, ministry and missions that sees lost people saved, that gets people's minds focused on Jesus and on the coming kingdom. And that would be to substantively invest in eternity, that I'm using mammon, my money and possessions here, to get people's eyes turned to the, the kingdom. So that's an, an, at least an application of what it means to invest substantively. 
in your eternity. And so determining our spiritual well-being in, in so many ways is looking at, a sim- at one of these symptoms here, asking, am I investing substantively? Second is, am I laser-focused on God's kingdom? Am I laser-focused, or do I have iguana and chameleon eyes where I'm looking left and I'm looking right, and I'm trying to keep my eyes focused on two things and miss the, miss the main thing? Uh, so many of us want to believe that we can focus on two things at one time, but history tells us that it's, it's impossible for us to do the best we can uh, in focusing on multiple things. And really, as the text says, uh, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be healthy. Well, that Semitic uh, word there for healthy, it's haplos, and it's that Semitic idiomatic phrase that said, if your eye is healthy, well, for us, that's hard to understand the meaning of that uh, if we're not there in that culture. So it's important for us to slow down and ask, what does it mean to have a healthy eye? Well, that word haplos, meaning that it's single, it's, it's, it's clean, it's focused. And so this idea is to have a single-mindedness about the kingdom of God. Am I single-minded about the kingdom of God? Or practically, am I double-minded? Which remember, even in the sermon, uh, when we think about being laser-focused and being double-minded, there's a, uh, there's a potential problem with this. Because to be double-minded means that half my mind is focusing on God's kingdom. And so I can always fool myself and manipulate myself and others to believe that I am focusing on the kingdom when really I have one foot in and one foot out. And so to be single-minded means there's not a moment in my life that goes by where I'm not focused on God's kingdom. And uh, when there is a moment, because obviously we all fall short of the glory of God, I am eager to repent and to clear my name of uh, this this sin that is double-mindedness so I can stay laser-focused on God's kingdom. And so we want to make sure that uh, we don't use double-mindedness and say, hey, half the time I'm focusing on God's kingdom, and uh, utilizing that as the reason why I would focus on multiple things and saying, hey, I want to be single-minded. I want to make sure that I'm focused on Christ. I want to have my eyes above where Christ is seated, and I want to make sure that my treasures are invested there and not here on earth. And then the third point there is make your money serve God. Like There in verse 24, it says that no one can serve God two masters. You cannot serve God and money, is what it says. And in the point number three, I believe the best way for us to make sure that we are not slaves to money is to make sure that our money is slave to God. And see, if our money is a slave to God, then it cannot be master over us because I submit myself and my money to God. And there are three application points in the sermon that I thought would be helpful for you as you think about how do I make sure that my money is serving God? Well, really, when you look at the three M's of these applications, we recognize that we have to make money. We have to make money because God calls us to make sure we're taking care of ourselves and that we're taking care of our family and those around us. And so if that's the case, then I need to do the first M, which is make ends meet, right? I've got to make ends meet. I've got to make sure that my job takes care of of my basic needs and my family's basic needs. And uh, really what that helps me do is to say there's a threshold of the amount I need to make to take care of my family. Now, that means that from that threshold, if if I'm not making enough to take care of my family, then I need to go find a new job. I need to figure out maybe I need to sell my house. Maybe I need to find a cheaper place. Maybe I need to cut some costs here and there. But at the end of the day, I got to make ends meet. I'm not being faithful if I'm not making ends meet. What that also does on the other side is to say, hey, if I am making ends meet, then I'm being faithful. Now, it doesn't mean that I do the least amount of work as possible and make 
the least amount of money possible so that I can do the things I need to do. But what it is saying is, hey, at the end of the day, if you're making enough to take care of you and your family uh, and to be faithful to the Lord, it doesn't mean I have to climb this corporate ladder and, and make life about the here and now and the possessions that I'm going to have. What it says is, hey, if you're able to make ends meet, if you're able to focus on God's kingdom, uh, you're able to be generous with what you do have, then, hey, that's a good place to be. You don't have to always be looking to make more and more and more and more money. Now, if you are able to, even as Paul says, that you're able to uh, benefit yourself or advance yourself in, in an opportunity, then go for it. But you got to make sure that there are godly intentions and rationale behind it. And one of those rationales is, do I want to do I want to work uh, for more money because I want to make more of my money serve God? Then, then go for it, absolutely. But what we want to do is stay out of the rat race of saying, I got to make more and more and more and more, and then I spend more and more and more, so I need to make more and more and more. So we're going to say, if we make ends meet, we're in a good place as we start making our money serve God. The second M is to monitor your cash flow. Uh, really, the sub point there was to check your ledger to ensure your money is serving God. One of the problems that we ha- have when it comes to monitoring our cash flow is we monitor the big number that comes in a couple of times a month, and at the end, we monitor the number that we have there at the end. And a lot of times, that, mon- that money we have left at the end is a little surprising and shocking because we wish it was more than it was. We're really quick to look up those big figures, that what comes in and the end number of what we have left at the end of the month. And I will say what we really need to be focusing on is the transactions in between those two big numbers that we need to be asking ourselves, what am I spending my money on? Am I making sure that my family's taken care of or am I spending lavishly and telling myself that these are things that we need when they're really not things that are taking care of our basic needs? They're lavish spending and it's making me uh, overextend my finances and I'm not being faithful to the, um, the possessions and money that God has given me. And so even like the illustration that I shared about monitoring your cash flow, you see a five, six, seven dollar coffee uh, transaction on your uh, ledger and you ask, hey, was that coffee spent on me taking someone out for discipleship and one on one ministry? Or was that coffee uh, transaction spent on me trying to get out of my home so I didn't have to deal with my kids and my spouse? Well, the. Uh, a little bit of the, the humor and jest in that is to recognize you can spend the same amount of money on the same thing for different reasons. And so it's important for you to make sure you're monitoring your cash flow and to ensure that you are spending money in a way that would honor God and advance his kingdom, which will inevitably be good for you and your children, whether it's you're spending money directly toward them so that they can focus on God's kingdom or you're saying no to them so they could deny themselves and focus on God's kingdom. Both of those are great things, but it takes us to time to monitor our cash flow. And the third M is to multiply your generosity. And whether you make a little, like uh, we see in the Gospels uh, with the widow who gave the widow's might, the two copper coins, or whether we're the people in James who are rich and have to be rich towards uh, God, uh, we're making sure that we're going to regularly give more uh, than we did. And so the way that my wife and I do it is we commit every year to giving more this year than we did last year. Now, of course, this is barring any existential crises. This is uh, obviously the good steward is of saying, I'm not going to give so much that I then have to go and ask for things to make sure I'm making ends meet, which see application point number one, multiply your generosity, but don't extend yourself so far that you can't make ends meet. Now, uh, and I think those are helpful principles. But it's important for you to make sure that you're generous towards a number of people. 
Obviously, you need to be generous toward everybody as a good principle, but the Bible says particularly those of the household of faith. And obviously, that includes the fact that you're incrementally increasing your giving to your local church. That's really important. If you want to be kingdom-focused, you need to be giving to the organization and the body who is kingdom-focused so they can continue doing ministry and gospel advancement. It's important, even like I said earlier, you need to be willing to pay for other people's coffee, buy gifts for people when you go over to their homes or for their birthday parties or, you know, et cetera, or even just to say thank you. I think multiplying your generosity, it shows people the generosity of God and the heart change that comes with those who are in Christ. Those are just outward symptoms of the spiritual health inside of us that we aren't closed-fisted when it comes to our money, that we're open-handed. We're not being foolish with how much money we're spending, but we're being intentional about using all of our money for the advancement of God's kingdom. Am I right? Well, there were a number of questions asked that I would love to get to. Just a reminder that every Sunday there's a QR code there at the bottom of your worksheet that is designed for you to scan that QR code to ask a question that you have about the sermon, and we will always do everything we can to take time during this podcast to answer your questions. So I'm always grateful for your questions, always look forward to getting to them in this segment. Here, one of the questions is, practically speaking, what's the difference between simply being a good steward to take care of the things and materials God has given us versus treasuring the things and materials? How do you know when the things slash materials have become an idol? Well, that really comes down to uh, this, some simple application points here. Am I using the things and the materials and the treasures that God has given me for the advancement of God's kingdom, or am I using it for my own pleasure in my own kingdom? Let me just give you a good example. If you buy your home, do you want a big home? Maybe you have a lot of money and you want a big home. Uh, You can be like Lydia, who when she became a Christian uh, there in the book of Acts, she said, hey, why don't you guys meet at my home? And so she had a church meeting at her home in Acts because she was a wealthy woman. She was a dealer of purple goods and and, and materials, which means that uh, culturally she would have been a wealthy woman. But she recognized when she became a Christian, all of these things that she has is meant to be a stewardship for God. Uh, We have to make sure that our materials don't become idols. And you say, how do I know when a material and treasure has become an idol and not Uh, a stewardship. Well, we see that in Scripture all the time. It's, hey, is this thing uh, taking your your time? Uh, Is it taking uh, sacrifice? I'm not saying sacrifice to keep those things going, but I'm saying, hey, if somebody asked you a question about that thing and wondered why you spent so much time with it, would you get angry? Because we see that when people talk about idols. You talk about an idol and you bring an idol up in someone's life and they get mad. Why do they get mad? Because you've poked them in a really sensitive spot because that thing means so much to them. Now, and really, when people poke you about what you believe about God, often that doesn't that doesn't really offend you or upset you too much. Uh, but what if I poke about you spending so much time playing sports or taking your kids to sports and events three to four times a week? You'll start getting offended about those things. And that's a really good example. Uh, if your kids are in sports, not the main point of what I'm talking about. I'm just saying, hey, those are really good questions of asking, hey, has this become an idol? Am I willing to sacrifice uh, kingdom things to do this? Right? Am I willing to give up spending time with my local church family to do this? Am I, am I neglecting my spouse? Am I, uh, am I foregoing my children's uh, 
education in the Lord uh, to do these things. Uh, and that's really, I, I guess, a really helpful uh, differentiation between being a good steward of something uh, and having it as an idol in your life. And truly, you can't serve God with idols. And so if it's something that you're noticing that I can't serve God with this or I'm not serving God with this, then that's a good example of being an idol. Because even in the Bible, no one's going to take idols, even the, the material kind that you see in the Old Testament and a little bit in the book of Acts, and, and try to serve the living God with that. God wouldn't accept it, nor could they ever practically do it in any way that was uh, uh, congruent with the Bible. Good question. The second question here is, how do you become single-minded without dipping into or becoming legalistic? Well, we think always one of the best words for you, uh, the best things for you to do when, you, when it comes to using words, uh, is to understand what does the word legalistic mean in a Christian context? Uh, if you mean by being legalistic that I somehow am going to believe that I'm going to merit favor uh, to God for my uh, salvation, or that I can somehow climb my way up God's ladder uh, by the things that I do, well, yeah, I'm going to say that that's legalistic, and you can't do that. Now, if you're going to say being legalistic, if, if you would define being legalistic as obeying God's Word and repenting when you don't and turning away from sin and pursuing righteousness, I'm not going to call that legalistic. I'm going to call that obedience, because that's what Scripture tells us to do. It says to put off sin and put on righteousness, to flee the entrapments of sin in the world and pursue God. And so we're not going to say that being obedient to God is legalistic because it's not. That is what we are going to do. Now, if I think that obeying God is going to save me, or if I think that doing uh, things is going to save me, then yes, that would be a legalistic idea of works. But if I think that obeying God's word is legalistic, then I have a wrong understanding of legalism, and because that wouldn't be legalistic. And so on the flip side, why don't we look at that in the positive and saying, how do I know that I'm being single-minded, that you're always focusing on the things of God? You ask yourself, hey, uh, would it hurt you to watch less TV? Would it hurt you to watch less football? Would it hurt you to spend less time vegging out and more time with God. No, that's not being legalistic. That's being a good steward of your time and your resources. Now, a good example of legalism is for you to be going to everyone else's house and telling them they have to turn football off because you utilize uh, less football to be closer to God. And it would be legalistic for you to be going to everybody's house and telling them to turn off the game uh, because they're not being godly. Uh, that is not sinful to be watching a, a football game. Uh, however, uh, as you are being faithful in your walk, you may find that, and you probably will find that watching less football would help you be more faithful. See, there is you a good example of being legalistic. Uh, legalism often happens uh, in churches and in places and people uh, when an application of God's word becomes law. And so, you know, when we read uh, something in Scripture that says uh, you need to encourage others, and you, and you as a person say, hey, here's how I encourage people. I encourage people by saying, bringing up something that I like about what they did in the last 15 minutes that I've been with them. And then legalism, we're saying, okay, now that's what everyone in this room has to do. If you don't do what I just said, because this is what I do, if you don't do that, you'd be in sin. So I hope that's a good example of what I would consider being legalistic, because I don't believe that being single-minded in your commitment to obey God is legalism. Uh, as a matter of fact, we would just call that obedience to God's word. 
All right, uh, third question here. Uh, in light of the sermon and what was said, quote-unquote, it's not a project car, it's an idol, which is a comment that I said there in the 11, uh, where does the line get drawn between hobby and idol slash distraction from the things of Christ? In question two of the application questions this week, it reminds us that we are to set our minds on things above, not on things that are on the earth. Please help me to better understand how to fully engage in the ministry work that God has for me while still enjoying things with my family and some hobbies without it becoming an idol. I love this question. I think this is a wonderful question. And really, we have to ask ourselves, what does the hobby uh, and what does my rest have to do with the kingdom of God? And this is a really good question because even as we look in the creation of the world, God created the world in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested from his work. Now, did God need to rest from his work? Was he tired? No, God wasn't tired. Uh, but God clearly puts in the fabric of our universe a need for people to rest. And I like to use the word recreate. Now, if you utilize your hobbies to recreate on your day off and you and your family want to go to the park and you guys want to play hopscotch or jump rope or pickleball, you want to do those things. I think that is a good thing if you're utilizing your hobbies to recreate in your rest, in your time off. Uh, to reset your mind, to get back to work, serving the Lord, and, and being a good steward of the, the things that he's given you. I think that's a wonderful thing, and you should do those things. You should recreate, and if you want to recreate doing a hobby or, or whatnot, I think that's a wonderful thing. It's when your hobbies and those things that you are uh, dealing with uh, don't become, op- don't become uh, things for me to do on my day of rest to recreate, but they become what I am. They become what I, what I do and what I think about on, the, on a regular basis in my life. Uh, we love that God has given us all these good things for us to utilize to recreate with. But when I take these things and they become uh, what I'm willing to sacrifice for, what I'm willing to forgo other more important things so that I can focus on that hobby or that car or, or really whatever it is, you can fill in the blank there. Uh, you begin crossing over and saying, hey, this is an idol and distraction from the things of Christ. Christ has given me good things, but he has not told me to focus on good things in place of him. And so really, I think a great application is Go have fun with your family. Go have hobbies. Teach your child how to work on, on cars. Do all those wonderful things. But you utilize your hobbies to give you time to rest, and we would call recreate, uh, so that when the next day comes or when you're back at work, you're refreshed and you're ready to run hard for the Lord. And, and really it comes down to this. Our culture says we want to work so that we can rest. And this is a wrong perspective to have when it comes to work. The biblical perspective is, I rest so that I can work for the Lord. I rest so I can go work. Now, it really becomes uh, really a good example of, am I looking to idols and say, hey, am I working so that I can spend money on this car? Am I working so that I can make sure all my kids are in all the sports they want? Or, Or am I working for the Lord and I rest, and in that time of leisure and recreation, whenever it is throughout my week, I would focus on some of those hobbies because I think it's a wonderful way to rest and get my mind off of things throughout the week. Wonderful. But we got to make sure that we're resting and recreating so we can get back and doing a lot of the things that God commands us to do, like taking care of our families and being good stewards of what he's given us. All right, last question on here. Uh, This says, I want to give to the church, but my spouse keeps reminding me of how much we lost, I'm assuming financially, over our first two years of marriage because we believe the prosperity gospel. 
because of this strife, I don't want to give without her agreement, but I also want to lead as the man and not let past hurt stop us from giving to the true gospel. Also, do you have a good rule of thumb? Suggestions for giving. Thanks. Uh, what a tragic and I think just amazing question to ask. I, I really appreciate the transparency here in this question. And really, here it is. This is one of the biggest problems with the prosperity gospel and these false gospels is they would keep otherwise faithful people uh, from continuing to be faithful. And I think this is a good problem with why we got to recognize that false gospels need to be called out and need to be uh, need to be done away with. And we shouldn't be entertaining them. We shouldn't be uh, soft peddling any kind of condemnation towards them. We need to call them out and say this is wrong because it's a great example of saying, hey, uh, prosperity gospel brings you to bad places and it also uh, has hurt you guys obviously Uh, but what we can't do and I believe your mindset is right in this question is like you recognize that just because you had been fooled for so many years doesn't mean that I stopped being faithful today I cannot use uh, past hurt uh, as an excuse for not being faithful in what God has given me today and so I maybe this be good for you guys to listen to this segment of this podcast to recognize hey we get it that is painful and that's hurt and it, it's so easy to think about all that we lost and all of those things that could have been utilized for kingdom advancement that were used for man to build their own kingdom here but that is all the more reason why to find a church that makes sure that they are focusing on the biblical gospel that they want to focus on uh, expository preaching planting churches uh, the kind of things that say we want to use our money for gospel advancement we don't want to use it to build up our kingdoms here on earth but we want to be able to teach other people how to make sure that they're using everything they have for the advancement of the gospel so i love that i mean i love the transparency there uh the follow-up question there is how do you have a good rule of thumb when it comes to giving we believe in the term sacrificial giving and so if I'm giving sacrificially, then that means there has to be some, I would argue, some uh, pain involved in it. And I don't mean that in some kind of uh, uh, in some kind of masochistic way or some kind of uh, that I feel like I have to uh, feel pain in order to know that I'm doing the right thing. But it's to say this. It's like I want to give enough to where I recognize that I can no longer do maybe something that I could have done if I didn't give. And for instance, if I give 50 bucks and I make you know, $50,000 a year and I, and I give 50 bucks a month. Do, is that 50 bucks going to be missing out of my account? Odds are probably not. Uh, but if I would even use 10% as, as a gauge, not saying that that is the number that you need to give, the New Testament doesn't put a description on how much I should give, uh, just give as much as I've decided in my heart. And as much as we decide in our heart, a good rule of thumb is to say, hey, would I consider this sacrificial? If I give 10% and it is $500 of $50,000, i am saying, hey, I think $500 a month would be, if that were missing out of my bank account, it would, it would be a reminder that my money is not mine, uh, that I am having to do without something that I would otherwise be able to have if I wouldn't have given that $500. And I think that's a wonderful rule of thumb, which is what you're asking for, a rule of thumb. I can't, I'm not going to give you a Bible verse that tells you that's how much you need to give, but I think a good rule of thumb is to say, am I giving sacrificially? Am I having to do without something I could otherwise have if I didn't give this amount of money? So I think that's a helpful place to start. Thank you guys for your questions. Love those questions. Really genuine. Love them. I hope that these answers helped you as you're fleshing out and applying uh, this to your life. All right, guys. Uh, some announcements. Happy birthday to you, Compass, two years old. So grateful for all that God has done in the life of our young church. Happy birthday to you. Thankful for you and the young life of our church. 
We have baptism service October the 15th. We're about halfway full for registration. So if you are somebody who needs to be baptized, I encourage you, go online, compasshillcountry.org slash baptisms, register for baptism. We have our student parent night coming up this Saturday, September the 16th from 6 to 8 p.m. If you are a parent or student uh, that is 6th grade up to 12th grade, we want to invite you to our student parent night where you will hear from your leaders uh, and Pastor Evan as the pastor over our student ministries about all that's going on this fall and the vision that we have in store for what we believe God wants us to do in the life of the next generation. We have our Women's Fellowship on September the 28th at the church from 9 to 11 a.m. I want to encourage all of you women from 6th grade on up to join us at our Women's Fellowship at the church on September the 28th. And last but not least, we announced this week that we have the 11 a.m. service, and it is getting full, which we love that, and we're so grateful. We want to be good stewards of the place that God has given us, and really what that means is saying, okay, sometimes we, we feel like we're really pressing space usage in our building, and we're trying to figure out a way without spending a lot of money at the moment to continue making sure all those who want to call Compass Home have a space. And so what we've asked is, hey, if you go to the 11 a.m. service uh, and you have the ability, the mobility to come to the 9 o'clock, we think that'd be a wonderful thing, and we would encourage you to do that. We're not asking everyone at the 11 a.m. service to go to the 9, but we're saying, hey, if you don't mind, if you have the mobility, come to the 9 o'clock service. You not only free up seats at the 11 o'clock, but you free up parking spaces, which that's one of the things that we lack at our church so much is enough parking spaces to park all the people who are coming to church. And so if you would, if you don't mind, if God's put it on your heart, uh, if you could uh, come to the 9 a.m., or if you could, and this is a big encouragement for the parking necessities that we have, carpool. If you have people, maybe you have a, a small family or you're a single, or maybe uh, you're one of our senior adults uh, who the kids are out of the house and you could uh, carpool with a couple of other uh, people, we would encourage you to do that to help us allow space for what God's doing here. Because at the end of the day, any other solution costs money. This is free, and I'm all about uh, not spending money where we don't need to at the moment. I want to be a good steward of all that God has for us right now. And if we can keep from spending money on this in this juncture of our church's history, I think that's a win. And so if you would, we would love for you to do that. Thank you so much, Compass. I hope that this Equip podcast has helped equip you uh, in your faith and in your walk with the Lord. We'll see you next week.